Oh, what a rich Easter morning so far. Sun shining, birds singing, super cute children telling us the Easter story. Wonderful worship. Have you noticed something with the worship? I've noticed it this last year, something I thought was impossible, that sitting at home and things happening here and being streamed, um, it's all felt so alien, hasn't it? But I've noticed the number of you in the comments and an experience and messages from people that God's breaking through that. Well done on turning up and taking part in that. And thank you for the worship this morning. So welcome this Easter Sunday. Jesus is risen. Um, and like we said, we hope to be in person from May. Uh, bear with us while we come out of COVID and find a place and space to meet. But we'll be here every Sunday. Um, and when we do start to meet in person, it'll be socially distanced as we build out and keep it live streamed. Um, and well done on being here. Um, Hebrews 10 I was thinking about that again this morning. In Hebrews, the writer to the Hebrews says, "Don't give up, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing." Since the church began, pressures to stop turning up with one another have not stopped. And it's a monumental pressure uh, this past year. And scripture says, don't do that. Keep meeting together. And then uh, that passage carries on and says, and encourage one another. So be encouraged. Be encouraged if you're here by the skin of your teeth and just turned up. The Lord bless you and has an encouragement for you and a blessing for you from scripture. And we gather today around the greatest event in history, in fact, the universe and creation itself that changes everything for us. Resurrection, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, is available to us. In uh, Romans chapter 8, Paul writes, The spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, and he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life. Romans 8, 11. By the way, um, uh, my talk today, if you go to the app, and you click on Sundays and then fill in notes, you should find most weeks um, a handout for each week and you can put notes in there. And also sometimes we put links to books and resources and you can keep that your, and it's private for you. So fill in notes are in there. So this resurrection, that's what today's about, Easter Sunday, resurrection. And we're going to look at two passages today, 1 Kings 17 and then Luke 4. If you've got a Bible, you might want to turn to it and hopefully these will all be on the screen uh, here as well so 1 Kings 17 17 to 24 sometime later the son of the woman who owned the house became ill he grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing she said to Elijah what what do you have against me man of God did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son give me your son Elijah replied he took him from her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying, laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, Lord my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry and the boy returned to life and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. Now, let's go to Luke chapter 4. Jesus' first public talk that's recorded. Um, Jesus has been tested in the wilderness. He goes through Galilee, starts healing and praying for people. Then he gets back to his hometown in Nazareth. And I'm going to read from verses 14 to 29 from Luke 4. 
Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked? Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself, and you will tell me. Do, do hear in your hometown that which we have heard you did in Capernaum. Truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in, in, Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land, yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elijah. But the prophet, yet, no, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. Look at the difference here. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went his way. So this passage from 1 Kings and then Jesus referring to it in Luke. So, gosh, we stand on the threshold of new life, don't we? It would certainly do in my house, haircuts, Hair colouring, maybe those things won't work for me. But uh, nails, no, that still won't work for me. Shops being open, holidays, yay, new life. But there is a much bigger threshold that Jesus told us about. The kingdom of God, Jesus begins his ministry. The kingdom of God is at hand. And Jesus stands up in his first moment of public preaching and tells us that there is something available to us. And we'll see in this passage, he's talking about his resurrection. Now, we might believe in Jesus because he helps us. He's exciting. He brings healing. He brings transformation. And all of those are good reasons. But the main reason, we are told, for believing in Jesus is that he is resurrection and he is life itself. And what's the difference? The difference is this. It's the difference between what he does for us and who he is to us. What he does for us and who he is to us. Now this past year, resurrected Jesus has not been socially distanced. The Holy Spirit has not been stopped through COVID. And we've talked about here, if, here I say when, on Sundays in Overton Grange, we say Sundays are a very small part of the life of our church. And you know what? We've really rediscovered that this past year in our church. Really discovered it. Online and in person where possible in the year, including one-to-ones and walking outside in the cold. We have... In, on Sundays and small groups and prayer spaces and discernment forums and lighthouse and food bank and street pastors and ministry to the poor and individuals in our church community doing many other things in the community, bereavement courses, too many things for me to list that have been happening in the life of our church. If you've taken part in them, like me, you might have noticed this. Stories of encounter with Jesus. I will remember many things about this year 
I will be very glad to see somewhere other than my room in my house that I'm in. I'm getting a bit fed up of it. But there are things that I'll remember in this year. The presence of Jesus, the miracles of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus in so many people's lives, in so many ways. Joy, healing, restoration, forgiveness, grace, providence and miracles. So as we come out of lockdown, we want more Jesus. We want more resurrection encounters. I know I do. Do you? Jesus in the Old Testament, um, sorry, Jesus uses the Old Testament in his teaching. Remember, the New Testament didn't exist at this point. Now, there are at least 300 places that the Old Testament is thought to reference Jesus and who he is. So in Luke 4, Jesus' first preaching moment, he looks back and he draws on uh, what he reads from Isaiah. But he then, the bit that gets him in trouble is he reaches for this story we looked at in 1 Kings 17. And it explains why resurrection is so important and why it's so radical for us. So how might we understand and receive resurrection that Jesus promises us? Well, three things to share with you and then I'll sum it up. The first one is this, if you're on the handout notes. Resurrection is the power and sign of Jesus in your life. If you want to know that Jesus is at work in your life, it's that his resurrection is visible, demonstrable, experienced, something that people can point to and see. Now, Elijah, in the story in 1 Kings 17, is constantly on the run from kings and rulers, and he has a message about God's judgment. And there is this widow who is a Gentile. She's not Jewish. It's interesting. Someone who wasn't part of God's people is the one that rescues him and hides him and saves him. And her son dies, tragically, awfully. And she asks, Elijah, you've had this message of judgment. Is this God's judgment? Even Elijah asks God, God, is this from you? One of the shocking things is that God does bring judgment. We're told that God is the creator of the universe. He can do whatever he likes. He's not capricious, but it's, he can judge us and how we live and what we do. We're also told, and Jesus reminds us, there are many parables I can't read from Jesus today, that at the end of time, we will be assessed on what we lived for and how we responded to Jesus. But in this story, it's not about judgment. Something else is present that Jesus wants to draw to our attention. Something that the Bible talks about from start to finish through the Old Testament, New Testament, and Jesus himself in many passages I haven't got time to read today. That our world is fallen and broken. The natural order of a world that is disconnected from God is that it falls apart, it decays, and it dies. Every child who is born is in the process of being closer to death with every day that they're alive fallenness and you know what this past year has revealed some of the fallenness of the world hasn't it a lot of the time we make our plans for the year don't we we sit down with our diary and I want this and this and this has happened and we have our expectations for the year and it gets interrupted when life happens to us and for all of us our fallen world why has COVID happened because we live in a broken fallen world that has a propensity towards decay and brokenness because of its separation from God. That's why viruses exist and that's why they mutate. Oh, so Elijah prays. And this boy comes back to life. And then something strange, this widow, is a phrase she uses. She says, now I know. That phrase occurs several times in the Bible. When God has intervened and done something in someone's life, they'll utter this phrase. Because of this, now I know this. 
something important. Now I know becomes a realization about God. And it's this. That moving from life to death is the normal state of the world. Did you clock that? Things that are alive, decaying and dying, is the normal state of the world. But things that move from death to life, things that move from death to life, that is God. Do you get the difference? Only God can take things that were dead and make them alive. And this last year has been so much loss for many of us, hasn't it? And I've had one recently. Watched my poor wife with two of her sisters who were unable to hug each other outdoors when they travelled across country to say goodbye to their dad and were ushered in and I couldn't go in and other family members couldn't go and see. And all the, all the ravages of PPE and social distancing manifest at the moment of my father-in-law's death. And they said goodbye to him a week ago. And Alan Proctor died a few days ago. That's hard. And do you know what? It's going to take more than haircuts and hair colouring and holidays to deal with those sorts of things. And even outside COVID, it takes a lot more than haircuts and holidays and hair colouring to deal with those things that happen to us. We need resurrection for our hearts, our souls, our minds, and our bodies. Ephesians 3. It's one of the most amazing prayers that Paul prays. It's also the most scandalous. So Paul, the apostle, writing to the Ephesian church in the midst of Roman occupation and persecution and suffering, there are many things he could have prayed for them. He could have prayed for their jobs. He could have prayed for economics. He could have prayed for political breakthrough. But instead, he prays this. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses understanding that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Oh, isn't that awesome? Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power. His power. See that? That is at work in us. To him be glory in the church and Christ Jesus throughout all ages. Gosh. This scandalous prayer. More of Jesus. More resurrection is the answer. What's Paul's prayer for us today in the middle of COVID? Not a roadmap out of COVID. But it would be this prayer. More Jesus. More resurrection. Whatever happens to us. So second thing, resuscitation on your handout. Resuscitation is not resurrection. Did you notice in Luke 4, Jesus, when he starts his preaching, is praised until he gets to his third point. Jesus reads, people are amazed. And at that point, if Jesus was smart in some ways, he would have stopped talking. But Jesus doesn't and gets himself in a lot of trouble. At the first bit, they're like, wow, yes, amazing. By the last point that he makes, they want to throw him off a cliff. I'm going to come back to that right at the end. Why did that happen? When you read that passage, you're probably thinking, what, what was that physician heal thyself and all that stuff? And why were they so angry? I'll uh, explain that at the end. Now, in 1 Kings 17, there was a resuscitation, not a resurrection. People brought back to life have died again. This boy, who was raised to life, has since died thousands of years ago. Lazarus was raised, Jesus' best friend, to life. Lazarus has since died. 
the only person in history who has been resurrected and is still alive is Jesus Christ. Everybody else who has been brought back to life has been resuscitated and then still died. And there were lots of more, there were more people that Jesus didn't heal than he healed. And Jesus regularly, I wish I had time to go through this with you, but flick through your Bibles if you don't believe me. Jesus said that healing and miracles, as important as they were, pointed to something else more important. Resuscitations, even bringing back someone to life. There was something more at stake than resuscitation. It was resurrection. Remember the widow in the story with Elijah? She says, now I know. She didn't say, Elijah, now I know. You should do this. Any, anyone that goes wrong, go and lie on them three times and God will do this miracle again and again and again. It's not what she says. She says, now I know, Elijah, because my son's come back to life, been resuscitated. Now I know the message you have been preaching is true. That there is a world that God made and he judges it and measures us and he wants to bring resurrection. The most important thing here is not the resuscitation, but it's always what we're most concerned about, isn't it? But the most important thing is the person doing the resuscitation and why they are. And what's at stake is here is not the benefits. Remember how I started this today. Not the benefits, but the person. Jesus fed the 5,000. Little aside popped into my head. He fed the 5,000. They were amazed. And then he goes around the lake and they run around again. And they want, do it again, do it again. And he goes, no, I'm not doing it again. Because you haven't understood the lesson of the resuscitation of the food. I am the resurrection, says Jesus. I'm not just going to keep giving you free food. Understand what that points to. Resurrection. Um, even the story in John. Do you remember John 11? We've been working our way through John these last few months to encounter Jesus. John gets us up close with his love and passion and his autobiography of Jesus. And do you remember in John 11, Lazarus has died and Mary... Um, let me read that to you, actually. Um, Martha says to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said, it's one of the most famous things that Jesus has said that's quoted. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Jesus explains there in John that there is, there is a, a resurrection life for us to experience before death. Life with Jesus is not just eternal life. It's life that begins now, and we've been discovering that going through the Gospel of John. It's life before death and life after death, and it is not just resuscitations. Lazarus and this boy were not going to get uh, a resurrection. They were going to live again and die again. Um, oh, no, sorry, I've got to the wrong bit of my notes there. At stake. No, let me do this. I lost my place. I lost my glasses the other day. I should have put them on, shouldn't I? I've stopped wearing my glasses so that I don't lose them. I'm not sure that's how it's supposed to work. Do you know what I've just bought? I have bought. I'm waiting for it to arrive. One of those, not a chain. <laughs> not a chain, but something to put my glasses on. Because if the only way to not lose them is not wear them, it's a waste of time, isn't it? Anyway. And do you know what? If I give tribute to my father-in-law when he passed into death, watching all of his life 
go away over the years. His ability to move and travel and his belongings and ending up with very little. My wife's going to go and collect his belongings this week and very paltry the bits that are left for him. But at the end of the life, if it was his life and a complicated life in some ways that it was, a wonderful gentle man who loved Jesus his whole life. And you know what? That's what I saw and heard. That was what was left, was resurrection. Resurrection is, when, when he died, it was beautiful for me to observe that he wasn't a man that everyone was maybe hoping that he might go to heaven when he died. He had loved Jesus all his life and he's passed into the presence of Jesus. He's been close to Jesus, now he's even closer to Jesus. He's been practicing resurrection his whole life. And at the end of his life, the things that were left were his faith, reading from his Bible, singing worship songs over him. And when his children kissed him on the head, his last three words were, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's a pretty good way to go, isn't it? A life of resurrection. Third thing, last thing. How do we receive this? So resurrection is the power and the sign of Jesus in our life. Resuscitation is not resurrection. Third thing, we receive resurrection by praying and laying. Did you see what I did there? Praying and laying. I tried. Praying and laying. They sort of rise, doesn't it? Praying and laying. Uh, this probably needs three things, doesn't it? But anyway. Um, I saw Pete Gregor tweeted something. Pete Gregg from 24-7 said, No prayer, no power. How often do we have to be reminded of that? So Elijah, the power of God is manifest by praying. By the way, have you noticed how and when you pray and what you pray for? What we pray for reveals our relationship with Jesus, whether it's focused on resuscitations or resurrection. Do we pray prayers like Paul prays in Ephesians 3? Or are we praying for parking spaces, being trivial there? But what are we focusing on? Look again at how Paul prays. There are so many things for us to do coming out of lockdown. I am making a list. Can't wait for them. But here is a thought. Is resurrection on your and my COVID, post-COVID bucket list? Is resurrection on your list? When someone says to you, what are you looking forward to the most this summer? Close to the surface is that word. Resurrection. And you know what? Before we went into COVID, ways of living with busyness and exhaustion. Do any of you remember those before COVID? Some of us are desperate to go back to that, aren't we? We sound like the Egyptians. Some of us would swap the busyness and exhaustion that we had for what we've had in this last year. But Jesus doesn't do that for us. What Jesus wants to bring is not resuscitation. And here is the danger as we come out of COVID. That all that will happen is we will be resuscitated to something worse than before instead of experiencing resurrection to new life. Our diaries changed, our commitments changed, our attention changed, our hearts changed, our minds changed, our circumstances transformed. That is what Easter speaks to, resurrection. Otherwise we may come out of COVID and remember the way of the world is in toward disintegration and decay instead of resurrection. Now Elijah lays literally on this boy and there's proximity in this. So there's praying and laying. Proximity for involvement with God. And that's been hard, hasn't it, with social distancing. We've had these physical limits. But we could pause right now. I'd ask you to do this as you're watching this, whether live or on catch-up. 
Where is your heart right now? Where is your mind? Where is your soul? In relationship to Jesus. In relationship to his church. In relationship to people within the church. Friends and family. Have you been pulling away? What is your proximity? Because resurrection comes through closeness and proximity. So let me sum all of that up to finish. And then your handout notes, the community of the resurrection. Why were people so angry at Jesus? Let's finish with that. This is the last point when he preached in Luke 4. Why did they suddenly get so angry? When, um, and this is a reminder that do the claims of Jesus offend you? Um, Lorraine did a wonderful uh, preach, a hard passage in, in John 15 last week, where Jesus talks about what we hate and what God hates. And if Jesus has never offended us or shocked us or angered us, we have probably never really heard the claims that he makes and what he says. And Jesus makes a claim here that makes people furious with him. And it might make you furious as you hear it today. So this is Jesus' first preaching, standing up in his hometown. He's been in the wilderness. He has done some healings. There's a reputation around him. He reads this passage from Isaiah, and he says, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. And they go, yes, we will have this. The Jewish people, 400 years since the Old Testament, under Roman occupation, wanting the Messiah, and they're like, I'll have some of that. I'll have it. I'll have the resuscitation. I'll have the benefits. Come on, bring freedom. I want all of the goodies that God's got for us and that's why they think Jesus is amazing at this point and that's why Jesus uses this phrase physician heal thyself is the old-fashioned translation of it and do you know what that phrase used to mean it was a quote in the back in the day and it literally was something like this we use these phrases all the time similar phrases like take care of yourself first put your mask on first charity begins at home blood is thicker than water do you know some of these phrases? They are the things that we tell ourselves where we say, the important things in life start with me and my family. And that was a popular phrase in the day. It says, deal with yourself first. Jesus says, you've heard that said. And they're like, yeah. And he, what Jesus might have finished with, they were expecting him to say was this. And the good news is God's got all the goodies for you. He's got all the resuscitations for you. Instead, Jesus says this. Do you remember the story in 1 Kings 17? It's not for you. It's for the people who had nothing. It's for the Gentiles. It's for the outsiders. Resurrection is not just getting you what you had and what you've always wanted. It's about changing who you are so that you can bring God to the world. That's why they were cross. There might be lots of reasons that you come to SVC. Might be the venue, might be the relationships, might be the style, the care, the support. But the main reason we hope you stay with us and we hope you participate with us is to be part of the resurrection life, a community of resurrection. That's who we aspire to be as a church. You know, Jesus is wonderful. He tells us that our heavenly, again, Matthew 6, I haven't got time to read it. Jesus says, you know what? Your heavenly father knows the things you need. Don't worry about them. Seek me first. Seek resurrection. If you seek resurrection, you will automatically get resuscitations. Automatically. So while we're praying for resuscitations or living the resurrection, we talk in our church about the difference between being a guest or a host. I think it's still a good way to maybe sum up this talk to land it. Are you regularly asking, 
How was SVC for me? How was the live stream? How was small group? Or are you a host? Are you asking yourself, how am I helping other people experience Jesus? It's why Jesus said, as he moved into his ministry, come and follow me, pick up your cross, die with me, experience resurrection, and I'll change all of your resuscitations. Let's finish with this. Mary Magdalene, you know in the story, Mary Magdalene was a former prostitute, most likely, and Joanna, the wife of Herod, Herod's, Herod, Herod's administrator, two very different people who should not have been present. But this resurrection comes to life immediately. Mary, ex-prostitute, Joanna, very privileged lady. These two people had nothing in common and should not have been together. Women should not have been present in this story, but they were. And they are now sisters at the tomb. Resurrection has come to them. The tomb has opened and they are being changed. My last sentence. Resuscitations always result in death. Resurrection results in endless resuscitations. What are we going to seek this Easter?